some moments where Glover could have sealed the deal. I thought some some parts were a little bit, just a little bit sloppy. Could have been cleaned up and polished in certain positions. Obviously, when you don't have a shirt on, this sweat and this blood, things become different. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome man. Yo, yo. Ah, now. Tune in to Al Joe, the funk master. Watch a grill yoga knocked out cold fast. And talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the mountain off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about the double. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, how you may It ain't shit, it ain't shit, motherfucker. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode. I don't even know. I think 175. Maybe. I don't know. But it is what it is. We had a great fight card this weekend. Um, UFC 275, really good. Uh, I didn't do an odds boost pick, but overall the fight card was, I thought it delivered in the sense of um, the name value. Now, people see the, the card, they look at the names. If they don't see like marquee names that are household names or fight friendly, I don't want to use that term, just names that people just recognize. People just tend to think that the fights aren't going to be as good. But in my opinion, when it's a card like this, usually these are the cards that bring it. And these guys brought it. I mean, there was a lot of finishes, um, some controversy. And uh, I think it gives you everything that you wanted in terms of uh, the theatrics and the drama for a fight card. Especially when you've been on uh, such a long layoff. They, I think the UFC was off for like two or three weeks, something like that. I, maybe just two weeks. It, it might have seemed like a lot longer than that. And then we had the fight night last week, and now we had this one. Two title fights. Um, I thought the fights were entertaining pretty much from beginning to end. Now, we'll get into this right away and start with the the first, the main the main event. Jerry Prochaska, Pahaska. I'm just calling him Jerry because I don't want to butcher the man's name because that's just... It's not right. It's the champion. He is the champion, for crying out loud. I can't disrespect the champion like that. Takes out Glover Teixeira in the, almost pretty much the final hour of the fight. As people will say, the 11th hour. I never really understood what that meant. I guess it's because if it's almost midnight and it's 11 o'clock, you got one hour to get it done in the final hour. Maybe that's why they say that. But in the final hour few seconds of the fifth round, he gets it done, gets a finish, rear naked choke, and it, it was kind of odd because not sure if Glover knew how much time was left, but he was obviously hurt. Both guys were obviously hurt really, really bad. Moments where it looked like both guys want to get to each other, going to get each other out of there, and Jerry managed to become, to be the the guy who was last standing in a fight that I think he was losing overall. Very entertaining. A lot of back and forth. Jerry just a wild card. Hands down. Man. He's fun to watch. But having Glover hurt like that. I think it allowed him to get that rear naked choke in that turtle position. Him just sinking in the choke. And it even looked like it was all the way on. I I mean I was lit on Saturday night. So I would have to watch that ending again. But. 
He got the rear naked choke. His arms were around his head, locked it up, squeezed. I don't even think he even had both hooks in, uh, if I remember correctly. But at the end of the day, back and forth brawling. Some, some, there was obviously some technique in there. I'm not calling it like a, just a straight-up bar fight. Um, but these guys were getting after it in a very technical way. And that's what I'm saying by brawling. It, it, was, a, it was a very fun fight to watch, man. Um, some good moments. A lot of things also that could have been done better. And when you say when I do say this, I do have to give credit to the other guy. Maybe his defense was just better. Some moments where Glover could have sealed the deal. I thought some some parts were a little bit just a little bit sloppy, could have been cleaned up and polished in certain positions. Obviously, when you don't have a shirt on, this sweat and this blood, things become different. That's why when I train, I I tend to spar with no shirt on. I make sure my partner doesn't wear a shirt. Um, I want to feel what it feels like to make sure I can maintain control in those positions because those little tiny details are what's going to carry you throughout the fight, especially for a grappler. Striking, okay, maybe not so much. You just need to make sure you have good foot um, placement because the, the mats we spar on in the, in, uh, in the gym is not the same canvas and material that we fight in in the octagon. Completely different material. One gets really, really slippery, and if you don't pour water on the canvas... You're going to lose a lot of traction on your feet and and for you to start kicking and stuff. If you're kick heavy, you could lose a lot of, um, you could get off balance relatively easy. So with that being said, I felt like Glover had moments in that fight where he was in control and it looked like he was about to get to, um, Jerry out of there. But then Jerry survives, catches a break with an opening or time runs out. But Jerry fought tough. He stayed in it the entire time, came there to battle. Glover hurt him, I want to say, a couple of times. That's a fight I got to watch over as well. I did watch the Valentina fight over because I wanted to make sure when I talk about it, I actually remember it in the right state of mind. But that one, I mean, we know what the, the ending was definitive. It was a finish. The Valentina fight, a little bit more controversial because of the, the way the rounds were scored. That's a little different. But this one... Jerry is a savage. Now, one thing we talked about was John Jones, Daniel Cormier, both on top of the division. These two guys having the division on lockdown for years. The belt changes hand when John vacates, DC vacates. And it almost like the belt's playing a little bit of hot potato. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And... I think it just shows that how dominant those two guys were that they just kept a stranglehold over the divisions when both were at the top. And now that they're both gone, the competition can now level out where guys are that much closer in skill where a a small difference in the approach can cause the title to change hands. Now, albeit... Controversial fights with Daniel Cormier, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, John Jones, Alexander, Alexander Gustafsson as well. The first one, um, John Jones, um, Dominic Reyes. A lot of people thought Dominic Reyes won, and a lot of people thought Goose, um, Gus beat both those guys in that first appearance that he had with John and the one appearance he had with DC. And that's very fair to say because, honestly, when I scored it, I mean... I just thought the way that it would have been scored, I thought it would have went the other way. And that's being full transpa- full transparency right there on the table. And I'm good friends with both of these guys. Let me not say good friends. 
um, I'm friends with both of these guys. Went to school with John Jones for a semester. Um, trained at his gym. You know, so we we have a mutual respect there, understanding of each other. So going back to what I'm saying is, these guys were so dominant that no one else could even really sniff the belt like at all. And now John left Dominic Reyes versus Blokovic, Blahovic. Uh, I butchered these guys' names so bad. Blahovic. I think it's Blahovic. Knocks out Dominic Reyes, wins the belt, defends the belt against Izzy, goes to fight Glover Teixeira, loses the belt. Glover's first defense against Prashowska loses the belt. Now Jerry, a guy who I think is very, very good, and I think he's also the first Czech Republican champ in the UFC. So congrats to you guys the Czech Republic. You guys deserve to big up yourself. Um, but I think with his skill set, I think there's a lot of room for other guys to come in and take the belt from Jerry. And again, Jerry is such a wild card. He's tough. He's durable. But that style at that weight class where guys can are just literally one shot away from putting your lights out, I don't know how long you can keep winning at the highest of the highest level. I'm not saying he can't do it. You could, you could get on a hot streak and just you just keep finding that shot first before these other guys. But at that weight class, you're almost playing Russian roulette with that fight style, with the hands down, the spinning. Um, you just leave yourself open. And, and that's, just, that's just from a technical standpoint. Jerry is a badass. He's good. He's legit. But again, you have to point out the spaces where a guy like Ankalaev, he comes in, who's very strict by the book. Takes you down, the Dagestani handcuffs, which is a wrestling thing that we use in folk style. He comes in, he does that. That's a very different fight. He's not going to be undisciplined and trying to progress position. He's going to sit there, he's going to ride the legs, tie them out, try to trap the wrist, beat you down. Every time you break, you stand up, you, you get to a position where you look like you're getting up, he's going to grab the wrist again, break you back flat, put the hammer on you, put the weight on you, and throw punches. You give up your back, now he's on your back, now he's holding you in a turtle position, or you're standing up and he's behind your back looking to mat return you. That's a long night in the office against a guy like that. And Glover could have done the same thing. And I would have to go back and see where the first mistake was position-wise that let Jerry back in the fight, because I think that's very important. Um, because again, Glover was in the fight the entire time. He had moments where it looked like he was going to finish the fight on a couple of different occasions. But, again, Jerry's just, I don't want to take away Jerry's defensive skills as opposed to Glover just making a mistake. Because it could have been a little bit of both. But I felt like Glover's high-level grappling, and maybe the time zone difference too, there's a whole bunch of different factors that are at play here, you know. So, credit to both guys. Really fun fight. But I do think there is a dark horse waiting in the darkness just looking for that opportunity to to be next. And I think Jerry, he called out for Blahovich. That's a fight that I think it's winnable. Um, or should I say more winnable than a fight with Ankalaev, who is, I don't want to say necessarily unknown, but he's a dark horse, not very known, but very dangerous. No one ever likes to fight that guy because there's not much to gain. But the Russians... And the Dagestanis, they all know who Ankalaev is. That guy is a beast. And if you know Khabib, you see Ankalaev, similarities, 
styles make fights and um I I think if I'm the UFC maybe I'm making the Blahovich fight first before throwing in Ankalaev in there cuz I do think he has a similar style to a DC and a John Jones um and I don't want to say much really like John Jones or DC it's just different he's just he has the grappling awareness and IQ where if he takes you down he can literally drown you with pressure and he's a good striker as well. Look at his past few fights. The guy's been on a tear. So again, the 205 division has got some life in it now. Now that the, the, the Kings are no longer in that weight class. One retired, one going up to heavyweight. But it makes things very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Next up, we have Valentina Shevchenko versus Tyler Santos. This was a fun fight. With a lot of like, oh my God, is that happening right now? Big takedowns from Santos. And I think the story of this fight was the takedowns didn't score heavily in the judges' eyes. I'm the first to say it. If I take you down and I do absolutely nothing and you are punching me in the face the entire time, I think the score should go towards... The person doing the damage because it's a fist fight. We're looking to do damage in a fight, right? That's always the goal in a fist fight. Now, I think the story here is, at what point does my control outweigh your strikes from a grappling standpoint? I know at the end of the day, the main thing we're scoring is damage. Okay. But the grappling, you being on your back, me threatening with chokes, it has to count for something. But how much? Should that count for? I look at the first round, and I think Talia might have had her down for like a minute, maybe a minute 30. Okay, the striking in the first round was relatively even. The most definitive position was the back take. But with the back take, Santos probably got punched in the face 13 times, I think I counted, 13 or 15, while having the back control. Shevchenko grabbing the wrist with her right hand, my right, <laughs> with her right hand, extending the arm, taking her other hand, punching behind her head, punching and catching Santos clean with some decent shots. Those might not seem like much, but when you're like whipping it, boom, 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 boom. Those are big shots. They start to add up. And I know because I've been in that position before in fights, I've been in that position in training. And I know when someone has your wrist, it makes things very, very difficult for you to really attack and threaten with a submission, even though the person is still in danger. Now, if the bell doesn't ring, that person's on their back for God knows how long until the cops come and save you. That's the difference. But being that this is mixed martial arts, there are rounds, there's time limits. You have to do what you got to do within the time limit. Otherwise, the fight resets and it's back on the feet. So the first round, I thought it was Santos, but when I went back and watched it again, I'm like, okay, close striking on the feet. She gets a big takedown, but it wasn't like a takedown that slammed her on her head or anything like that. Okay, maybe she she's in a dominant position, but maybe Valentina with the damage from the from being controlled and the strikes, I think she outlanded Santos just by a small margin. Maybe that gives her the round. Okay, I can see that. Now the second round, I felt like she almost had... Two and a half minutes of riding time for Santos. I feel like Santos had to have gotten that second round. And then the third round, I felt like Santos won this third round as well. And then the fifth round, we know what happened in fifth round. 
Valentina went back to the old Valentina or the vintage Valentina. Why am I calling her old Valentina? The vintage Valentina that we know tries to get you in a crucifix, takes you down dominant on top, um, outstriking you in the feet. Uh, those fast inside leg case, catching her with the check hook. And I think even in the first round, the most significant strike that I remember was that check hook that Valentina landed on Santos when she was pushing forward in like the first like 30 seconds of the fight in round one. Now, round five, we know Valentina dominated. Now, round four, that's where I think it's kind of the coin flip because round one is a coin flip, then round four is a coin flip. Um, Round five, we know who won. Round two, I think we know who won, Santos. And then I think round three. So two, three, and four were the rounds that were the, the closest. But I thought, in my opinion, after watching again, I thought Santos definitely won round three. I thought round two, you could make the argument kind of similar to round one, that she won round two as well um, for, for Santos. And I thought round four, Santos did pretty much the same thing, threatening the back, getting the takedown, even strikes on the feet. I, I don't know. I'm not a judge. So, again, it comes down to clarity. It's so subjective that people can watch. 10, 100 people can watch. Even the refs, not the refs, the um, the color commentators are watching. Obviously, they're calling the fight. They're not watching the score the fight. But they're looking at it and they're thinking, I can see this round going towards Santos. And I was agreeing. So, now again with the clarity, it's like we need to know a definitive thing that we can say, okay, I made I made a layup or I made a shot within the three-point arc. That is two points no matter what. There is no discrepancy there. I need to know if I land this jab, how much does this score in, in regards to you landing a cross? But what if I land a stiff jab versus your pushing cross that was just a stinger, but you weren't sitting down on a cross? Now, for us, when we know we, we hit somebody with a cross, that's supposed to be a much more impactful punch. But if I hit you with a stiff jab, boom, right in the nose, right in the eye, which one was more impactful versus the arm punch of a cross that was just a quick snap and didn't really like, it wasn't like a sit down, like a one, two, I, I, I didn't sit down on it like that versus the stiff jab that lands flush and maybe right on the bridge of the nose and breaks your nose. We just, we just need to know what is actually scoring. So if I know if I score a certain amount of points on the feet, then we hits the ground. I know if I got a takedown, I got X amount of control time. How much is that worth in comparison to a close striking exchange or striking exchanges on the feet? And I think that's what's really the, the difference that we need to kind of figure out as an MMA community from the rules, the rule, the scoring criteria to the judges to this, the sanctioning bodies. We need to all come together and figure out what is what to really make this a little bit more black and white because if you have 100 people watching a fight and all 100 people have different interpretations, that's a problem because it might not be the, the criteria. It might just be what you think is more valuable in your eyes. And when you have that problem, if I tend to score striking more heavily because I'm not well-versed in grappling, I might not think what Talia Santos is doing is important or meaningful like the striking exchanges that are really, really close, and I can't really tell who outlanded who in that round. So it, something has to give. We need to have some type of common ground, and I hate talking about this over and over and over, but it is what it is, man. Like This is going to forever be a part of the game that's going to drive me and everybody else nuts out there. It's just That's just fact. 
Either way, the Queen remains champion. Clash of heads, I think, in that fourth round. Ooh, that was nasty. And it might have even been the third. Either way, it was nasty. And I just saw that Santos is going to need surgery to fix a broken orbital bone. Very, very unfortunate. Um, I can only imagine what she's going through. Probably thinking, oh, I got robbed. Not robbed. It was a close fight. Probably thinking that she definitely won the fight. Um, didn't get it. Walks away with a nice trophy and having to get a surgery on an orbital bone. Um, and coming up short in a very, very close fight. <laughs> now, I think if they fought again, I think Valentina makes the adjustments because that's just what she does. Um, I feel like she's never the same fighter every single time she steps in there. Uh, and I think Santos coming in there brave, not like overly respecting the champion and coming in there already defeated. She gave us a good title opportunity um, between these two and split decision. Fight could have went either way. 48-47 was the way I had it um, for Santos. And again, the rounds were muddied, but I thought the grappling, having a minute or so, two and a half minutes, in strike closing rounds on the feet, I felt like it gave the round, it erred on the side of Santos. And I thought the most dominant round was the fifth round for Valentina Shevchenko, showing that she is the freaking champ for a reason. Um, great fight, man. It's just a really crappy um, outcome for having to get a broken orbital bone for a clash of heads. And the clash of heads happened again later on in that fight, um, not too long after that. So, sucks. Next fight we have... Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Jacek, JJ, Queen B, um, the other Queen B of the other division. Um, and she's obviously not the queen right now, but in terms of like being one of the pioneers for the strawweight division, Carlos Barza, now the champion, someone she beat relatively badly um, to take the belt from her as Carla was the first ever champion. And now Carla sits on the throne and now Jacek is exiting the game. Fun fight. First round was really, really fun to watch. A lot of back and forth action. And then Whaley pulls away in that second round. And uh, the grappling, the, the exchange is going back and forth. And then f the nail in the coffin was the spinning back fist. That was a beautiful knockout. Um, did not see it coming. And wh what do I always say? What do everyone, I think anyone that's been in this game, they know. The strikes you do not see is the one that hurts the most. And that's exactly what happened. It it was a brutal spinning back fist that caught um, JJ. And um, congrats to Wei Lee because I felt like she looked like a woman possessed. Um, both of them were fighting at Hartown in that early first round. A lot of high-level scrambling. Um, both ending up on top. Um, Zhang, for the most part, ended up in the more dominant positions on the ground. And then them getting back up. And then another scramble. And off the break, Wei Lee hits a beautiful spinning back fist and... Catches Joanna flush and ends the fight. Uh, beautiful performance, man. Now, Joanna retiring. Huge for her. Again, queen of that division. Helped pioneer it. Uh, I think she won, defended the belt like six times in a row. I'm on topology right now. Let me check. She won the belt from, so she won a split decision over Claudia Gadeja on UFC on Fox 13. I think I was actually on this card. Now I got to check. I got to see if the fun fact, if I was actually on this card or not. I feel like I was. So, Yudo was on this card. He fought. 
Um, Dustin Kimura at Bantamweight. Ian Etwistle. And I lied. Was not on this card. This was Dos Santos versus Stipe Miocic. Uh, Junior Dos Santos beating Miocic in five rounds. Yeah. Okay, so I wasn't at this card. I lied. <laughs> okay, so she beats Galdeja. Split decision. Um, beats Carlos Sparza. Then beats Jessica Penne. Defends it once. Lord Taino, two. Galdeja again, three. Kevin Cagewicks, four. Andrade, five. Then loses to Rose. So five times she defended the belt. And I think if she had gotten six, she would have passed Ronda Rousey or tied Ronda Rousey with six title defenses. So again, queen pioneer of this. Only lost to the best people in this division. Um, one of the nicest people I've ever met. When she's in there, she's a, a she's a demon possessed. Um, fights mean. The boogie women always going down, dropping her head, looking into her opponent's eyes, getting head to head, forehead to forehead, and really trying to stare into your soul, trying to get these females to crack before they step in there with her in in the octagon. And um, most of the times, I feel like it worked. She would get inside these females' head and then beat them down from pillar to post. Um, Yoana, great career. Congrats to you. I hope you find all the happiness in the world. And just thank you for all the great fights, man. And just doing what you have done for the sport. Because you definitely elevated the sport in a big way. And especially for the Polish fighters. Um, I think after her, man, you start seeing a lot more Polish people getting into the UFC and having success. Um, her, Blokovic, uh, a couple of other guys that fought at 135. Uh, there's the other guy, I think... Um, Gams Gamrat Gamrat I think fights at um one fifty five Polish guy grappler high level guys all around and uh, I think the best is yet to come for Polish fighters out there and again congrats to Wei Li because again she looked like a freaking badass I don't know what's gonna be next for her but now that Claudia Cade not Claudia wow brain fart now that Carla Esparza is a champ um there's an opportunity for her to get in there and fight for the title next. Could be. But now she wins the title. Then what do you do with Rose? It's such a weird spot. They, I know the UFC is probably scratching their head like, all right, how are we going to play this out? Because this is a mess right now. All these girls fought each other. How do we make this intriguing for everybody and try to make money and try to put on the best possible fights and try to keep everything semi-different instead of having the same people rotating in for a title shot over and over and over again. So we'll see what happens with that. Jake Matthews, beautiful right cross over Andre Fiajo. Uh, now, Fiajo's got the same style as kind of like a Jiri. Not like chaotic all over the place, but it's one of those kill or be killed styles. Goes forward, puts the pressure on people. And again, when you do that, you open up the wormhole. Ray Longo always says, to knock somebody out, you have to be willing to get knocked out. Because you put yourself in that line of fire. And I always thought that makes a lot of sense because for the most part, everyone's got the same reach and it's one of those zig before you zagged or zagged and you zigged and zig 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 uh, So one of those things, you have to make sure that you're doing the right thing and uh, protecting yourself. And there's also the entertainment side where you got to go for it. Fiajo Sal is one of, that, one of those. He, he goes for it. And when he goes for it, just like his last fight before this one that he fought like three or four weeks ago, Got hurt as well. Did a little bit of the chicken dance and then came back and knocked the guy out. This was similar. 
Except this time when he got hurt, Jake Matthews just put him away. There was no coming back for Fiajo in this one. And it's just one of those things, man. You stay in this game long enough, live by the sword, you die by the sword. And that's his style. Fun style to watch. Um, congrats to Jake Matthews. Big win for him in the welterweight division. Remember, he was fighting at 155 for a while. He's only 20. He's only 27, man. His last one, he lost to Sean Brady. Arm triangle choking in the third round. And before that, he won three in a row. Diego Sanchez, Emil Meek, and Rossim Akman. I'm not sure who that guy is, but... So he's been alternating between wins and uh, did I say wins and losses? No, um, a little bit of up and down. So he won two before in the UFC. Let's see when he got into the UFC from Australia. He won two in a row, lost to James Vick. Then he won two in a row, lost two in a row after. Then he won two in a row. Then he lost two in a row to Kevin Lee and uh, Andrew Holbrook, and then he won three in a row. Jing Liang, um, Velikovic. Ansai, then lost to Rocco Martin, then came back, won three in a row, lost one to Sean Brady. Now he's back on a win streak right now. So it's just one of those things, man. Fiajo, let's see. He is 28 years old, still young, still a killer. He won two in a row. He lost to Michelle Pereira by decision. The guy's a savage. He knocked out four. Yeah, man, the guy, the guy just knocks people out. He knocked out on the regional circuit, knocked four guys out in a row. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Got to the UFC, lost to Michelle Pereira, came back, knocked two guys out in a row, and then just lost to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jake Matthews. So, fun fights, man. Another guy of note, Jack Mandela, Madalena, knocks out Ramazan and Meave with a nasty liver shot. I mean, I could talk about all these fights, man, but there's so many, so many good ones. But I just want to give some, some. Notables out there, Amiv versus Madalena. I'm just calling him Jack Della. Jack Della goes out there and puts him, puts him away. And he just one of those. He just seems like one of those pressure fighters who just goes forward the entire time, constantly going forward, constantly putting um, pressure on you in your face. And he lost his first two pro fights. Came back, knockout, knockout, knockout. Rear naked choke, knockout, knockout. Doctor stoppage, strikes, strikes, decision, knockout. Knockout. This guy is a bona fide finisher. Holy crap. Australian badass, you know? Um, and Ameev, really good guy. Good grappler. Solid striking. 35 years old from Dagestan. Lost two in a row now to Danny Roberts. Split decision out to Jack Jack Della. Before that, he won a split decision. And then he beat Nick Stoltz um, by the unanimous decision. Lost to um, Rocco Martin as well. So... He's been on a bit of a tear in the beginning. Got to the UFC, hit a couple bumps. He's lost three in the UFC now. But he's won one, two, three, four, five. Five in the UFC. So he's five and five and three. Um Joshua Kalibawa, that was a fun fight. Mashate, 22 years old. Holy right hand. Nasty right hand. Catching Garcia running right in. Boom. I hope that wasn't too loud. But right on the chin, catches him flush, 9-1 from China, uh, 22 years old. I believe what show he was just on, Contender Series, that's what it was. Got a unanimous decision when on the Contender Series, comes out and starches Steve Garcia in a fight that was shaping up to be a, like a barn burner. Both guys getting after early. Garcia looking like he's like, 
Not going to take any disrespect from this young buck. Goes after him, but goes after him a little bit reckless with the hands down. And again, it's one of those things. When you go, when you are going for it, you put yourself in that line of fire. When you throw a punch charging forward, that hand drops. Boom. Catches him, face plants him. Um, nasty. It doesn't get any cleaner than that. That was a sick, nasty right hand. And running into it with the impact of the force of him. It's, it's, a, it's a car crash. Him going forward, him stepping into it, boom, lights out. Now, Brandon Allen, close fight with uh, Malkoon. This was like all over the place for me. I didn't even know what the hell I was looking at. Um, but a fun fight. I was just like, I don't know how they're going to score this because both guys had their moments being on top, bottom. Um, Malkoon made a lot of mistakes where he could have just kind of chilled out on top, falling off the top, giving Brandon a chance to get back in the fight, causing the, the scrambles. And... Um, Maybe that was more so Allen making Malcolm feel like he can escape. And then while he's baiting him to escape, he uses that for an opening to get out. Maybe he does that in training. I don't know. But some good high-level stuff in there from a grappling standpoint. Both guys had success. Both guys made some mistakes. And um, fun fight overall. I think Malcolm's a little too small, though, for 185. He does not look like a very big guy in there, especially against a big dude like Brandon Allen. That guy looked like he was a weight class or two. Above Malkun. My sleeper fight that I had called. Kung Ho Kang versus Bat Kriyao. Really fun fight. Barn burner was this one. Both guys going after it. Getting after it. Getting into the nitty gritty. And uh, Bat Uses superior boxing. But the superior jab. From boxing. Of Ho Kang. Was what won him the fight. And that calf kick. Really neutralizing and taking away the footwork from Bakriel. Coming back after a long layoff. When did he when did he have that long layoff? From 2014 to 2018. He was out. And I think that might have been when he was serving in the military. Because the last time he fought was 2021 against Ronnie Yaya in November. Fun fight though. But like I said, this was going to be the sleeper fight. Both guys had their moments. But the jab, showing how effective the jab could be in MMA, yet again, and how little he needed to do against a guy of the caliber of Batgriel who's been knocking guys out. And he's he got his pretty much his eyes busted up from just a jab all night. Now that's two in a row dropped by Batgriel, losing to Gutierrez, spinning back fist. Now to Ho Kang, unanimous decision. Before that, he was on a three-fight win streak. Looking really, really promising. And again, he's still got an opportunity to, to get back out there and have a lot of success. The guy is a hammer. He hits hard. He's got good vision for the hands. Um, but you got to address those calf kicks. Can't eat too many of those. I think I felt like he ate five of them in the first round. And then he finally started throwing them back at Ho Kang. But it was like a little too late at that, po- at that point in the fight. Um, because between the calf kick and the jab... Ho Kang was starting, Mr. Perfect was starting to find his, his, his groove and really kind of solidify himself that he was the better fighter in the fight. Um, lastly, I just want to talk about this knockout over this girl, Nia Lang. Savannah Gomez Juarez, 115, knocks out Na Liang. Now, I got to be honest with you. Na Liang, super young, from China, 25 years old. Obviously, the weight class is very, very thin. At 115, 
in comparison to like the men's division and stuff like that. But I don't really know what the game plan is. Now that I'm looking at her record, I see a lot of girls she's fought. She's beaten them mostly by submission or on the ground. Soccer kick, KO. She beat. She lost to Akapova. Um, with that being said, you can see glaring differences between who should be in the UFC and who should not, just from a skill set standpoint. If your method of getting someone down is to do the Frankenstein and run at you with the Flintstone feet, and to try to take you down, that is a bad sign. And it's not like you're tired. Like, and I'll put myself out under the bus. My Pideon fight, I was a zombie, exhausted. And at that point, I'm just shooting just to shoot the ugliest shots. I didn't care. It was just like, if I can get this guy to slip on a banana pill, great. But I'm exhausted. I know this. I know these are ugly-ass takedown attempts. With this, this was in the first round. Literally 30 seconds into the fight, running at her. And I'm like, this is not how you this is not how you set up a takedown. It is just not the way to do it. And I don't mean to to come down on her like, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not talking shit. I'm just keeping it a hundred, man. Like, you need to clean up your takedown entries. Your coaches need to sit down with you and reassess the game because you cannot afford to get knocked out that many more times like that. Cause that was a bad one. And 115 aren't known for their knockout power. But she got pieced up pretty damn bad badly could have been gooder um but Juarez perfect timing catches her coming in on the way up cleans her clock gets her out of there and uh like I said man it just shows the difference in the levels of training and um skill set I mean Suarez 30 Suarez Juarez 37 years old I was like okay maybe they're trying to take this girl from Argentina and build up this other girl from China, since they are doing a lot of the um, road to the UFC fights, trying to like build up that market over there. Okay, I get that. But Juarez was not here for it at all. She was like, you are going to learn today that there is levels to this fighting thing. And she showed that. Now, I don't really remember seeing Juarez fight like that. She lost via armbar to Demopolis, Demopolis, Vanessa. And I can see why. Right? I can see why the UFC now made this matchup because they're probably saying that she lost to two arm bars in a row. That maybe this girl takes her down and she loses by arm bar again or by submission again. So I, I get it. But you can't go in there looking like that, looking for a takedown. You're better off moving your head, throwing some big punches, and hoping that you can grab onto something other than just running with your arms out. And running face for almost face first into the cage. That's that's just really bad. And I don't like seeing people get hurt that look like they do not belong in there. And that's where that's pretty much where it stops, starts and ends for me. Nothing against her. I just don't want to see people who do not belong in there yet getting their face and their brain hammered like that. Because you can you can do better by yourself. Like, and when I say do better by yourself. You could do better for yourself is probably what I should have said. Because for you to go in there like that, that's that's no bueno. If you go in, do the homework, now you step in there, that approach is a lot more calculated, a little bit more different against a female who's been submitted multiple times, back to back by an armbar, that you could more than likely take down and win. 
the fight against, you know? So that's that's pretty much how I look at that one, man. And um, that was a nasty knockout. I felt bad for her because I really felt like she did not she did not need to get her ish crack like that at all. But other than that, that's pretty much our podcast, guys. Thank you guys for always tuning in. If you like my stuff, um, make sure you hit that like button, please. Uh, drop a comment. Let me know what you guys think about the fights. Uh, I'm going to be jumping in the comments later today. And um, what else was I going to say? If you want to get some Funkmaster gear, AljamainSterling.com. Be sure to check that out. And check out SleepyBear.com. Use my promo code FUNKMASTER to get your 20% discount at SleepyBearGummies.com. Uh, I'll see you guys later. As always, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. Or spin it back, fist, baby. Mm, mm, mm. Peace.